Today, I'm going to talk to you about the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks. It has more prisoners than plates and more residents than resources. On top of all of that, it's the world's most oppressive prison. Just ask the inmates and they'll tell you. They are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is more populated. No prison is more oppressive. And what's more, no prison is more permanent. Most inmates never leave, really. They never escape and they never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded, underprovisioned facility. And they find out their sentence is all for nothing. The name of this prison? If you ever see it, and you actually may find yourself a prisoner of it, rainbowed over the gate are four cast-ironed letters that spell out want. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spiritual Conversations with your host, Drake Miller. I cannot tell you how excited I am to finally be coming to you. Last week, I did not come to you. I knew everyone was on holiday, and I I wanted everyone to have good times with their friends and family. We had some events going on ourselves. Um, I I had gotten to spend such good time with my family uh, at home, and it was truly a much, much needed time. Um, with my family, getting to visit with everyone, catch up on some conversations we haven't got to have. It, it it was wonderful, and I hope you've had the same thing. And this week, I am coming to you a little late than I normally do, but I have to tell you, um, I actually had a few things going on. I had vacation Bible school at, at my church. Um, we did We have a friend in Jesus. It was based off of Toy Story. And then I went to a Maverick City music concert, and it was wonderful. Uh, Their their music is just great. Their their lyrics are very powerful. We had a wonderful time, and um, I encourage you. I know they're on tour right now, um, so wherever you may be, if you want to catch... one of their concerts, it it really is less of a concert and more of a worship service, really. This is my second one I've been to, and I've thoroughly enjoyed all of them that I have I've come to. But this week, I'm so excited to come back to you, and we're going to continue on our conversation. And I think my schedule is, is kind of slowing down a little bit. So that's going to be great. And I hope wherever you're at, wherever you've been, that you've been able to enjoy some time with friends and family, because I feel like it's my trademark um, thing at this point. People need people. We all do. So last week, we started a series on I Have a Shepherd, where we are breaking down my personal favorite psalm, Psalm 23, and last week, we, we really focused on the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And indeed, he is. The Lord is our shepherd. He is 
big enough to shepherd the whole world and, and intimate enough to hear the distressed cry of one sheep. That's us. He has the power to make us lie down in green pastures. And because he is the only one who knows the way, he's the only one who can lead us anywhere, and he chooses still waters. He's the only one who can restore an eternal soul, and he lights our paths to righteousness simply for his name's sake. He, in perfect love, casts out our fear, even in the midst of a dark, death-filled valley, and he comforts us with the security of his rod and staff. We find out along life's journey, though a host should encamp around us, we shall not fear, and instead we feast. As we sit, we are anointed, and though we take a drink, our cup never runs dry. And for all of this, our proclamation is simple. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this week, we're going to discuss the part that says, I shall not want. And as I opened up with this episode with, many of us find ourselves in the prison of want. You've seen her prisoners, and, and maybe you are one. They are in want. They want something. They want something bigger, nicer, faster, thinner. They want. They just do. They want. And they don't want much, mind you. They and often we just want one thing, one new job, one new car, one new house, one new spouse. They don't want much. They they just want one. And when they have that one, they'll be happy. And contrary to popular belief, they're right. They will be happy when they have one. When they do, they'll leave the prison. But then it happens. The new car smell passes. The new job gets old. The friends get a new toy that's bigger and better than yours is. The new spouse has bad habits. The sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to the prison called want. Are you in the prison? If you are, let me help you. Because I sure want you to get this. I Believe it or not, this is an eternal matter. Solomon, in his discourse on life, said it like this. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they're increased, they are increased to eat them, and what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the, the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. But those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth the son, and there is nothing in his hands. As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this is also a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go, and what profit 
hath he that hath labored for all the wind. And all of his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. See, my friend, this is a hard truth. If you love silver, you love in, in vain, because silver shall not be your satisfaction. If you love silver, you will surely always be a prisoner to silver and thus remain in the prison of want. If you love abundance, then you will be happy in times of increase and sad in times where nothing changes and God forbid should you ever experience decrease. The ecclesiastical writer tells us plainly this attitude and mindset is vanity, meaning it's nothing. And above all that, it's prideful and frustrating. Vanity in its primary meaning means absurdity, frustration, and futility, but also nonsense. So this is saying all of our riches and our race to increase them, all our achievements and winning of the rat race per se amounts to nothing. That's why if you find yourself keeping up with the Joneses, you find out the Joneses are broke, and soon you will be too. It's been said before, if you participate in and win the rat race, just remember, you're still a rat. Friend, what am I saying? I'm saying that all we do, all we know, and all we have results in the very quality of worthlessness and Utility. It, it amounts to absolutely nothing. When you, when you have gotten a proper perspective of eternity, realizing nothing will stand with you in front of Jesus Christ, but you will stand alone, you come to understand the futility of all that is around you. You live in a mentality that this, whatever this is, will not matter when I stand alone. An argument to prove I'm right will not make me right in eternity. The few extra hours at work to make a few extra dollars will not buy you extra graces at the judgment seat of Christ. The new item you have in its novelty will not impress the one who owns cattle on a thousand hills and all the jewels in the hills. Nothing, absolutely nothing, will travel with you into eternity without end, wherever that may be. One lesson I have lived by and say often is, I have never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And not only does all the silver, all the gold, the riches, fame, and wisdom that we may get amount to nothing, it also brings a level of frustration. Believing that we are something, believing our riches set us apart, that our abundance does something for us, when we realize either now in time or then in eternity that it amounts to nothing, it brings frustration. That's why the writer said the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. The drives of riches deprives a man of his life, for he becomes a slave to riches. The drive of riches deprives a man of his rest, for he watches to ensure his riches are not stolen and he's always working to build up more. And friend, if you build up treasure here, you will find you have little treasure there. 
And Solomon spoke a truth uttered by himself and Job when it is said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. That is the destiny of all of us. No matter what you do, no matter how long you live in the prison of want, no matter how much you strive for riches, all you labor for provides you no true profit. And this is frustrating to those who have no hope being without God in this world. You build up your riches, you work your whole life forsaking kin and country for your own self just to have one tragic event come and wipe it all out. You get out of the prison of want just to return to build up more. Your master, if not God, is some earthly treasure and that leaves you in the balance as wanting. It's a timeless truth spoken of in both testaments. You set aside a large sum of money to leave your children trusting in your wealth, and by the end of your life you have nothing, both for yourself nor for your children. This is the condition Solomon told us we all find ourselves in. You may die with riches on this earth, but you meet poverty in eternity. You may lavish in gold and silver, but have no relationship with kin and more costly God. You may feel free, but friend, you'll find out you lived your whole life in a prison of want. That's the bad news. Now, the good news is you have a visitor in this prison, and your visitor has a message that can get you paroled and eternally set free. So make your way to the receiving room. Stop what you're doing for just a minute and listen. Take a seat and hear the psalmist David when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you turn to the Lord and not just trust him with one part of your life, but all of your life, you will realize the beauty of that statement. Some of us trust him with our salvation, but not our provision. We allow him to redeem us in eternity, but attempt to provide for ourselves in time. But friend, that attitude is still vain and prideful, and it will lead you most certainly to a fall. The The Lord said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. In another place, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Friend, whatever it is in your life that you label as your most prized possession, whatever keeps you in the prison of want, no matter how much you gain working, no matter how much nice things you have, no matter how many home improvements you make to have the nicest home in your friend group, none of it's yours. If you trust in your ability to acquire riches, you will have stolen from God and find that you will forever be in want. But if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, if you align yourself with the maker of heaven and earth, all of the things will be given unto you, as you will be an heir with God and joint heir with Christ, and in that you will receive more than than you ever could doing it on your own. It's when you realize who it is you serve and the position you have as a child of God that you will walk through life knowing that you have a God who hears you, the power of love behind you, the Holy Spirit within you, the provider leading you in heaven ahead of you. 
all of this is greater than any amount of riches, fame, or fortune you could ever have. And it promises that you shall not want. It promises that that no matter what you do in this earth, no matter how much earthly success you have, if you've got this promise, you shall not want. But you may be thinking, okay, Drake, but be real. Is it wrong to enjoy good things? Is it, is, it, is it wrong to have nice things? Are you saying that we're supposed to grapple in the dust of lack until we reach heaven? Friend, the poverty gospel is no more right than the prosperity gospel. The Lord himself said concerning all things, visible and otherwise, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And what man is there of you whom if if his son asked for bread, he would give him a stone, or if he asked for a fish, he would give him a serpent. And if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Friend, God desires to lavish abundantly on his children. He wants us to live a completely blessed life, for he is a blessing God. God is looking to and fro on this earth to find somebody to bless. God speaking of the glorious return promised to the captain, the captives in Jeremiah said, Behold, I will bring the city and the people health and cure, and I will cure them, and I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return, and I will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. So he's already promised to them health and cure and an abundant life in peace and truth. He's promised restoration to a broken people, forgiveness of sins, and cleansing from iniquity. And the same God that gave all this to Israel is the same one who is your shepherd. So living an abundant life is not the problem. But who you identify as the source is the catch. And the promise continues. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. He's promised now that they and their city will be a name of joy, praise and honor unto God before all the nations of the earth. And into this promise, my friend, we were grafted in. We get all of this too. If you'll submit all your life to him, he promised them the same thing that David promised us. His goodness and mercy will follow us. When God gets done with Israel and with us, for there is but one people, he has it so that the past will be almost forgotten in the light of the abundance. 
You know, Job could tell you a story of abundance in his life. For scripture says of him, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It also says of Job, the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. So he enjoyed abundance and plenty. And the ecclesiastical writer, Solomon, right after telling us those who love silver shall not be satisfied, said this, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one who for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he hath taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God hath giveth him, for it is his portion. And better yet, we know that God is our portion. We live in such abundance of having God as our portion. How could we possibly ever want? Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God, for we've already established the goodness of God's gifts. For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answereth him in the joy of his heart. Because the Lord wants to grant us the desires of our heart. So here we are admonished and told it's good to enjoy the blessings of life. But the key phrase in all of this is this one, which God giveth him. See, the blessings we live in, ranging from peace of mind, good health, abundant family, eternal life, monetary and earthly needs being met, is to us a testimony to God, not a place of selfish boast. In this, you understand what you have is not yours, and you enjoy the blessing of God while realizing they are, in fact, His, and He hath simply rewarded them to us. You've heard me say many times, there is a reward for right living and right belief, but it is for that, for right living and right belief. It is a sign to the world that those who follow in His statutes He blesses. It's a testimony. It spreads the testimony of the Lord unto all people. Solomon, who is suggested to have written the book of Ecclesiastes, enjoyed the blessings of God himself, for he had riches and honor, so that there was not to be any among the kings likened unto him all his days, meaning he had more riches than anyone else. So what's the catch here? What's the secret? What is the defining difference between living in the prison of want and enjoying the riches of the Lord? We've touched on it a little bit, being the fact that you realize that that nothing you have is yours and it's all a testimony unto God. And this interaction with Solomon and God, where he was blessed such that he would stand out among all people, happened in Gibeon, where the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God asked or said, Ask what I shall give thee. 
And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness. that Thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Watch, watch this now. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? He asked for wisdom and knowledge, which above all else were told to get. And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I've done according to thy words. Lo, I've given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like, in, like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. The secret here was Solomon sought first the kingdom of heaven, seeking not vain glory or earthly riches, but rather the wisdom and knowledge to please God and care for others, thus loving God and loving people. Because Solomon had this heart and this intention, God blessed him for what he asked and granted him above all he could even ask or think, as this is too a promise of Scripture, being riches and honor. Friend, the truth is, if you seek this world, you'll be left wanting both now in life and in the balances of eternity. But if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, trusting in God, knowing he has never forsaken the righteous, all other things, all other things will be granted unto you. There was an interesting interaction between Solomon, who was blessed by God, and the queen of Sheba, who came to visit him. She doubted all that she had heard about Solomon, so she had to come see all the blessing Solomon had. When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him or test him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built, in the meat of his table, in the sittings of his servants, in the attendance of his ministers, in their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said unto the king, It was a true report 
that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. When God blesses you, the whole world will hear and know it's true. Howbeit, I believe not the word, she said, until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee, to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. All I can hear in my ear right now is blessed shalt thou be in the city and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shalt be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when you goest out. See, in humility, Solomon told God he didn't know how to go out or come in. And God said, you'll go out blessed and you'll come in blessed. When you live in covenant with the Lord, you shall not want, but all glory will go to him. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold out of Ophir, brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees, pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, harps also and psalteries for singers. There came no such almond trees, nor were any seen unto this day. When God knows he can give you a blessing that you will use for his praise, lifting him up so that all men will be drawn unto him, you'll be shocked at the blessing you live in. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. It says, King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatever she asked. He said, is that all you want? She said, yeah, that's, that's all I want. Are you sure that's all? She said, yeah, that's about everything I can think of. Then when she was sure that's all she wanted, he said, I've got a bounty you don't know about. And he gave out of his excess things that she had not even heard about. Friends, God Almighty has a blessing for you and me. If we'll trust him with our whole life, that is above what we can think because it's beyond what we can imagine. He's got a storehouse of blessing that we don't know about. Friend, the Lord said through his servant David, you shall not want. The key to not wanting, as we could go through example to example throughout scripture, the key to not wanting is not to hide your intentions from God, attempt to fool him by praying Solomon's prayer with the hidden goal of becoming rich. The secret to not wanting is to follow after God with your whole heart. Seek to know him and to do all his commandments and truly allow him to be your shepherd. Then 
just as Solomon did, will stand out among the crowd, and people will find you out if you've got it. They'll come asking you, and then you'll be able to testify, and you'll be able to use your increase to the glory of God the Father. The Lord grants us wisdom and knowledge, salvation, and eternal life, and He will supply all our needs according to His riches and glory, which we know is inexhaustible. He will bless us beyond measure, both visibly and invisibly, in eternity and in time. The blessing we live in is as part of our testimony, not the main object of our life. There was a Puritan preacher who sat down to a mill of bread and water. He bowed his head and he declared, All this and Jesus too? That should be our mentality. When we realize God's promise for us not directly pertains to our natural condition, but our eternal soul, we will live a life of godly contentment saying, All this and Jesus too? Our main object of thankfulness, the one thing which should fill our thoughts, is Jesus Christ and the salvation that he's provided for us through his death. To the Puritan preacher, the bread was an extra blessing. The water was unaccounted for provision. So it is for every other thing in our life except Jesus Christ. It was said by a mighty preacher that God is a blessing God, and indeed he is. I've rehearsed to you many times the blessings of Deuteronomy and other passages, but blessings come in reward to right living and right belief, not out of a love of money, which is in fact the root of all evil, not the way to goodness. Friend, If you allow the Lord to be your shepherd, you truly shall not want. You shall have all you need. I hope you're blessed. Have peace and joy. I hope this has helped you this week. I hope that this has helped you get out of that prison of want to Decide to trust in God. Let Him be your shepherd. Let Him lead you and guide you. And I assure you, my friend, you will never want. You will always have what you need. If you have a home church, I pray you and your church are blessed this week. If you don't, we would love to see you at Restoration Apostolic Church, 110 Moores Grove Road, Winterville, Georgia. I cannot tell you how much I would love to see you there sitting beside me. And listen, I don't know when you're listening to this, but Monday nights we have prayer. So that's seven o'clock. Wednesday night, Bible study, seven o'clock. Sunday mornings, eleven o'clock. Sunday school, twelve o'clock main service. We would love to see you there. But if you don't have a home church and you don't live near here, please reach out to me. I have resources I can help you find a home church in the United States or all across the world. I can help you find one. 
I can connect you to a wonderful people. I would love to do that. And until next time, thank you and be blessed.